humbled by the invitation, and um, I just want to publicly thank God for uh, another year in the gospel ministry. This is my 15th year, praise the Lord. Mommy, can you believe that? (laughs) So it's truly an honor to uh, carry the gospel. I also just want to thank God for our elders who have entrusted me with the responsibility to be with you today. Um, It means a lot. Uh, that you do trust me and I know that they are um, leading through some tumultuous times right now and so we just want to stand by and affirm them and pray for them and um, you guys have no idea the the measure of stress and strain that's on them and I also want to acknowledge their wives and families that are standing by them in that time so the Lord bless you and your missus Um, I want to acknowledge praise the Lord uh, my fellow co-laborers and pastors who are here, and also um, the staff of Abundant Life, who I had the privilege of calling colleagues and friends and co-workers for over six years. And um, I still love you. I'm in the fight with you, and thank God for you. And also to our leaders and volunteers that are continuing to serve in this time, I thank God for you and your commitment um, to this ministry. God bless you. I would like to acknowledge my mother, who's here, one of my number one cheerleaders. Mommy, I love you. I can always count on an amen from my mama. Amen. The church might be quiet, but my mama's going to give me a shout out. So I thank God for you and for my baby niece, who's five years old, Jazz Amira. <laughs> Amen. There is a word from the Lord today, and so if you'll please just join me in turning to the gospel according to St. John, and stand with me as we read in John chapter 10, I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, Um, whatever version you have should be sufficient, and um, you'll read along with me in John chapter 10, I'll be reading verses 10 through 15. If you have it, say amen. If you need some time, say hold up. Okay, I heard a couple hold ups. That's all right. Amen. And the word reads, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Verse 13. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. I've entitled this message today, Shepherd Assurance. Shepherd Assurance. Is it all right if I'm just honest about where we are today, church? Is that okay? No mask. We can just keep it real. We're in the middle of um, a really difficult time of transition in the life of this congregation. There's a lot of uh, 
we're in the middle of a significant split. And there's a lot of confusion and hurt and pain. And though I may not be on payroll anymore, help me, Lord. (laughs) I've still had the privilege of uh, ministering to and shepherding families and individuals in this church. This is a congregation that I love very much. And it has occurred to me in my interactions with those whom I've had the privilege of serving and serving alongside that there's a lot of hurt and pain. There's a divorce. The dissolution of a relationship. And people don't know where they are. Some of us are feeling like we're on one side and others are on another side. This is a significant split. Whenever there's a shift in leadership, especially as significant as what we've experienced recently, sometimes we end up choosing sides and feeling like we're one way or another way. And I know even some folks, even as I'm standing here today, are assuming that I've picked some side as if that's what we're supposed to be doing. But the reality is we're called to serve with and for one another. And I'm on the side of caring and nurturing the flock. And so... It occurred to me that in a time like this, where we experience this kind of loss and grief, that many of us feel lost, unsure. We don't know where the church is going, what's going to happen in the next several weeks, months, and years to come. We just don't know. And in those times of uncertainty, it's easy for us to lose sight of or feel like we don't have a grasp on who we are. And it reminded me of an experience that I had shortly after I graduated from UC Santa Cruz. And I was living um, in this wonderful house and got this uh, letter in the mail. And it was a thin letter, so I knew it was somebody wanting some money. So I opened it up. It was addressed to me, and it was um, from a well-known women's catalog. And the statement or the letter stated that I had a debt with this. Um, company and I had no idea what they were talking about and they wanted $872 and I knew that it wasn't me because I was $872 broke (laughs) so I knew I wasn't the one that had uh, accrued the debt that was on this this paper so I called the 800 number the toll-free number that was on um, the letter and uh, asked the customer service representative you know like well, what's going on and she's asking me to identify myself and I tell her you know my name is Sarai this is uh, my address all, all all the information that's pertinent for identifying yourself and so I tell her and um, she's you know telling me about these debts that have been accrued and I don't know anything about it so she transfers the call to another individual a man picks up the phone very patient very kind And he's asking me again to identify myself. And I'm telling him, I know who I am. And I know that I didn't spend no $872 with your company. And he makes me aware that my identity has been stolen. And someone has um, opened up a line of credit with this uh, catalog. And um, through his investigation was able to let me know there were four other retailers that whoever the, you know, this person was that stole my identity had opened up. And three utility bills that had been, had been opened up in my name. And so um, here I was aware of the fact that my identity has been stolen. Now, technically, no one can steal my identity because the Lord has made me uniquely. I have my own set of fingerprints and I have my own DNA. I know who I am. And I know that no matter how much hair you might buy or makeup you put on, you're never going to be Sarai Shamayim Crane Pope. So even though... 
somebody took my identity in terms of the data and was reaping some benefits, I know that I knew exactly who I was. I'm going somewhere. Because when there's been a significant hit to the body of Christ and to a community like we've experienced, it's easy for us to sometimes not feel like we know who we are. And um, we have to know, first and foremost, that we are God's children. And as we see illustrated in the text, that we are of the flock of God. In the Gospel according to John, we've reached a point um, in chapter 10 where Jesus' ministry is fully public. And he's operating and functioning in his public ministry, which is relevant because we know that he was the age of 30 before he started to operate in that office. And so we see that at this point, he's been teaching and preaching and has gained popularity, which then then means that there's stirred up this dissension and conflict between the religious leaders at the time. And he has now faced scrutiny and even violence for declaring who he was. So if your Bible reads like mine, it's red letter. And so what we have here is a parable that Jesus has used to teach. And he used parables to teach strong scriptural and spiritual truths to the people that he was speaking to. And he uses this example of the shepherd and his sheep. And the example or this image of the shepherd and his sheep is very prevalent all through our text. In fact, in our Hebrew scriptures, we see this idea and the notion of the shepherd in relationship to a sheep referenced over 140 times. The shepherd always had great responsibility. And we learn that from the very beginning. Consider the story of Cain and Abel. Two brothers. One is a farmer, one is a shepherd or a herdsman. God looks with favor on the offering of the shepherd, the herdsman. Consider Moses, the great deliverer, one of the most noted names of our spiritual history. Came out of a palace in Egypt and then sent into the care of Jethro to become a shepherd. And so his ministry of deliverance was cultivated and birthed out of his experience and training as a shepherd. God said, I want you to deliver my people. I'm going to send you to be a shepherd, a nurturer, one who tends the flock before you become a great deliverer. Look at King David, arguably the most famous name in our Hebrew scriptures, aside from Jesus. He was a king, but before that, who was he? A shepherd boy. And before he went to defeat a nine-foot champion named Goliath, he was in the field shepherding and tending to the sheep. God uses the office of a shepherd, one who leads and cares for mightily. And we see in our text today that Jesus identifies himself among them. Shepherds don't have a lot of social status. They're not fancy and they're not classy. They do hard work. They do ugly work. They do work that don't smell so good. But yet Jesus, the son of God, the king of kings, identifies himself as the good shepherd. Shepherds lead their flocks. Shepherds are responsible for leading um, their, their, their flock into safe pasture. They're responsible for leading them into safe passage. They're also responsible for healing those that have been broken. 
and tending to those that have been injured. The shepherd is also responsible for providing protection and insight over the wiles of the predators that come against them. Shepherds and the most substantial ministries that we see in our text were born out of people that had to tend to flock. And then consider the sheep. And you know, sheep have gotten a bad rap. They're known for being dumb, dumb animals, stuck on stupid. But I find them quite fascinating because the sheep identify themselves primarily and first and foremost in the context of their flock. In fact, if you research the, the, the behavior of a sheep, sheep are the strongest and feel the most at, at self when they are within the context of their flock. Meaning, if a sheep has gone astray or is off wandering off somewhere, they're usually sick, injured, nervous, anxious, or in trouble. But sheep know that within the context of their flock, that they are protected and they know that they're less vulnerable. And a predator is going to go looking for a stray sheep because together they stand. See, sometimes... We, we need to consider that as the church because in the American church, we come from a society where gross independence is celebrated, tolerated, and even embraced inside the church. My personal relationship with the Lord, my ministry, my anointing, my call. And we don't look at the fact that we are first, our identity rests in being part of God's flock. Not just one branch or church. But the entire church. And we share that heritage with people all over the world. There's great diversity among sheep. Lots of different types of the same species, but they'll look a little different in North America than they'll do in North Africa. Some sheep have long hair. Some sheep have short hair. Some sheep is more coarse than others. Lord, that sounds like black people in particular, but (laughs) sheep look a little different. And that's, how, that's who we are, church. And so we see Jesus using this example of a shepherd and his relationship with his sheep. Now, the passage that we're in is a long one, but I encourage you to read all of it because there's so much good stuff in it. All of chapter 10 is great. And if I had the time, I would, I would dig through it all. But for the sake of time today, we're going to, excuse me, <coughs> dig through six scriptures Starting with chapter with chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In order for us to have shepherd assurance in a season of uncertainty and in a season of pain and loss and split like we're in church. First thing we have to do is reclaim. Somebody say reclaim. Reclaim is to take back something that was yours. Take back that which you possessed before and to reclaim it as your own. See, in the text, we see Jesus call out the thief, the predator, the one who's come to scatter the sheep. And what I'd like to suggest is in in this text where we see the thief that we identify who he's talking about. And I believe it's the devil. Now, I'm not the type of person that gives the devil a whole lot of credit. I don't like to give him too much credit, time, or attention, but I'm not ignorant enough 
to minimize his schemes and his tricks against the church and the people of God. We have to reclaim our spiritual authority, call out the thief, identify the the tricks and the schemes. See, the text says when Jesus says he came to steal and to kill and destroy, we know that the enemy's out to abort that which God has created and is trying to birth in the church. The devil's not coming to irritate you and work your nerves. When you get irritated and your nerves get worked, that's God trying to work our character together and trying to slough off some some rough edges. The enemy's coming to take down what God has built up. The enemy is coming to destroy that which God has built up and wants to thwart every plot and every plan that God has for his people. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we have to take back our spiritual authority and recognize that what we're dealing with is not flesh. We're dealing with powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in dark places. And we have to posture ourselves for spiritual warfare and take authority. Take it back. Reclaim that which God has given you. Take back your joy. Take back your peace. Take back your confidence that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. Reclaim it. And we can do that when we can rest assured that we have a God Who's going to stand and fight on our behalf? We have no spiritual authority apart from God. We have no spiritual authority apart from Christ and his ministry. We have to reclaim it. Somebody say reclaim it. And we see that listed in our text. My Bible says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What is the name of this church? Abundant life. Reclaim your heritage as a church, church. That is our right. And it was not by accident that that was the name that God gave this ministry. Take it back. Next thing we have to do in order to have shepherd assurance in a time of despair is to remember. Somebody say remember. (laughs) Y'all pray for me because I'm coughing and this is a mess. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Remember, we have to remember what the word says about us and who God says we are. And in order for us to do that, we got to know what the word says. Right. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Thank you. We have to remember what the the, the word says. That he is the good shepherd. But we also have to remember all of the other facets of God's character. It's so critical to be biblically literate. Because though we can have these powerful experiences with God and experiences with the divine, we cannot have a full grasp of God's character and nature apart from the word. That's why it's so critical that we're in Bible studies or small groups or in fellowship with other believers who are trying to sort out this word. And that responsibility rests on us. It rests on the sheep. We have to remember I love how the psalmist says, thy word I have hid in my heart 
Because we never know when a situation pops up what kind of word we need to come up and be our daily bread. Sometimes when you're dealing with grief and loss and seasons of uncertainty, you don't feel super spiritual. Am I the only one? So that's why we have to know it from before. So that when stuff comes up, it's not if stuff comes up, it's when stuff comes up, we have a word to stand on. We've got to remember the promises of God. We have to reclaim our spiritual authority. We have to know and remember who God is. The text says here, I am the good shepherd. And we need to know other facets of God's character. I forgot to mention this in, 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 my last, uh, in the last service. But when my identity was stolen, what the uh, fraud department told me was that these accounts had been opened several months before I was notified of them. And if I had been keeping up, with, you know, following my credit and following, you know, the, the different bureaus, I would have known before I got a, made aware when crisis hit. We have to know. We have to stay up with our scriptures and we can't just wait until crisis and disaster strikes before we want to go get all super spiritual. Hello, somebody. I know I'm preaching better than you shouting. We got to remember who God is. The very character and nature and presence of God in our lives. We have to remember. Next thing we have to do is to repair. Somebody say repair. repair. It says here, it, thank you, baby. My niece just, just shouted out at me. Thank you, baby. We look here and we see in verse 12. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and, run, and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. Now let me just pause here and make sure I make it very clear. That Jesus does not identify exactly who the wolf or the hired hand is. So we don't want to go taking this word and attaching it to certain individuals who have left our congregation church. Jesus makes clear that he is the good shepherd and he makes clear that the sheep is the flock of God. See, we start attaching certain things out of the scripture and putting it on flesh instead of addressing it from a spiritual nature. And there are people who we are used to worshiping with that we've been seeing for the last several years and friends that we've had and they're not here anymore. But we can't take this as an opportunity to throw stones at people who are not here anymore. Family. We've got to be we've got to be willing to repair the brokenness that we're feeling as a result of this huge transition. There's a lot of collateral damage in divorce. When a relationship is dissolved, it unnaturally means that certain relationships are going to change. And sometimes the people that are most at risk and most vulnerable are the children. When divorce strikes. And and, and people and people are now left to have to figure out whose side they're going to be on. Am I going to take this side or take that side? And the children are key because we're a part of a church family that has functioned as a family. So that means that we have children that have now been referring to us as brothers and sisters or aunties and uncles. And before, you know, they're doing their thing in children's ministry or up in um, the, the youth ministry and their parents are beefing. Parents got one side, the other parents got another side. And so now children are part of the collateral damage. Confused. And auntie such and such is no longer your auntie. And uncle such and such is no longer your uncle. 
There's a lot of brokenness. I've been here the last week, Abundant Life, so I've seen the hurt, and people are mad, fighting mad, angry at what's been happening, taking shots at one another. We've got to repair that brokenness and be committed to being a congregation that is going to deal with this with some maturity, class, elegance, and love. Because anybody who has left here has been our brother or sister and they will remain our brother and sister. And they are part of God's flock. And in this text where we see where he uses and he says that the wolf comes and leaves the street and they run away and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. That is similar to the scripture that Jesus quotes in the gospel according to Matthew and in the gospel according to Mark. Because right before he went to be arrested and he knew his time had come to lay down his life, he's, he's, he quoted um, this verse that comes out of the prophet Zechariah that says, strike the shepherd and the sheep shall scatter. I'm talking about repairing what has been broken. You want to see a church go down? Come after the shepherd. That's why the thief, the wolf, the devil is always coming after the shepherds of a church. He's coming after the leadership. He's coming after the top because he wants to distract all the stuff that's going on beneath it. All the outreach, all the ministry, all of the the, the deliverance that's happening below. Strike the shepherd and the sheep shall scatter. And Jesus himself quoted that scripture before he was to be arrested. But God works all things together for the good because he knew that though they would scatter, they would carry his message to every end of the earth. So let's celebrate what God will do with our brothers and sisters who are no longer here. God bless them and their ministry because he's going to turn it all around for his good anyway. We got to repair the brokenness, the disillusionment that comes when a when a separation or a divorce has taken place. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Church hurt is the worst hurt. You have you a boyfriend, a girlfriend, they break your heart, hurt your feelings. You'll be on Match.com in a couple of weeks. (laughs) But let some pastor or leadership or something happen in a church. And we'll use that pain as an excuse to leave the work of God and oftentimes to leave the flock of God. We cannot use this as an excuse to leave God's flock and to abandon the sheep. We've got to repair the brokenness. In order to have shepherd assurance, we have to reclaim that which God has, the devil has taken from us. We have to remember God's word and who he is and his promises for us. We have to repair the brokenness, the fallout. And finally, we have to release. Set that which has been bound captive. Release. Release the hurt. Release the bitterness. Release the expectation that human beings are going to be human beings. Release the fact that people are going to be people. Folks will disappoint us and we will disappoint folks. We need to forgive. Look at verse 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. 
That's the critical distinction between Jesus as Messiah versus these other false prophets and false messiahs that came claiming that they were the promised one that had been prophesied about. Was that Jesus was willing to lay his life down for those that spitefully abused him, that spat on him, that threw shots at him, and that threatened to murder his life and threw stones physically. Right before this passage, there had been an attempt to throw stones on him because of what he said and who he said he was. Jesus was willing to lay down his life. And though it was taken, we know that he laid it down. And so if Jesus... The majestic king was willing to forgive and lay down his life. We need to be willing to release the hurt and release the offense and release the bitterness that we're experiencing as a result of what's going on. We need a shepherd's assurance right now, family. We need to know that Jesus, the good shepherd, is yet covering, leading, and guiding us. And we see this illustrated here, and we see in First Peter, when the apostle was speaking about shepherd language, he used that as to his letter um, to those he was discipling. He says, be good shepherds of the flock. And he was addressing the elders and the pastors and the leaders that had been risen up in the churches that he started as an apostle. So that's for all of us. Yes, that's for our elders. Yes, that's for our pastors. But also those of you who are serving in a, um, a capacity where you have your own spheres of influence. Continue to be good shepherds of the flock. Help navigate the sheep through these muddy waters. You're going to get phone calls. You're going to get emails. You're going to see posts on Facebook. And I want to continue to encourage you to be classy and loving and remember who you are. Don't lose your identity as a sheep in God's flock. Don't lose your identity to bitterness, hurt, pain, anger, and rage. Be the flock of God that God has called you to be. And remember that there is strength in numbers. And out alone on your own, you're the most vulnerable to the thief and to the wolf. We got to have shepherd's assurance to get us through this. Which means that we have to... Reclaim, remember, repair, and release. When my identity got stolen years ago, I had to go through a very tedious process of repairing. My credit, my identity, it wasn't fair. I'm now having to deal with the consequences of something that was done to me. I didn't even do it. And yet I'm left with writing the, the affidavits and getting the bank statements and interfacing with the, you know, the, the credit bureaus. So some of us are left to deal with the wreckage and the collateral damage, and it's not fair. And it's going to take some time. But we have to know that we have a God who's the great and good shepherd who loves us, who hasn't revoked his call from us, who hasn't revoked his presence with us. And who is advocating on our behalf, family. <clears throat> we got to have a shepherd's assurance. A blessed assurance that lets us know that we have not been forsaken. And we have to bless those who have deposited in our lives. See, one of the parts of forgiveness um, 
That's really key. You know, we can forgive the offense, but then we also have to be willing to celebrate those who have been a blessing to us in the past. And we don't make them the sum total of meth and drama. You know, we make mistakes sometimes. We all do. And, it's, and, and we love to throw shots at people that have hurt us. But this is our opportunity to be the body and to be the flock and to love each other well and to love our neighbors. Because we have a God and we have a call and the mission has not been revoked. So ALCF, I want to encourage you today that God's hand is still on you. And that your call has not been snatched from you. You may feel like your leader has been. But your call has not. And I want to encourage these elders that are laboring. And this is hard work. And you're taking the shots. You keep serving as the shepherds God has called for you to be. To the pastors and leaders of this church. I see you. And I know you're weary. And I know you're hurting. And I know this is a difficult time. And for those of us that have had to weather over the last several years, I know that this is painful. Continue to shepherd God's people as the shepherds you've been called to be. And to the leaders and the volunteers, growth group leaders, small group leaders, parents. Continue to be the shepherds that God has called you to be as you seek him to be shepherded. Amen. Let's stand all over the room. And I don't want to take for granted that there may be someone here who has not yet made a decision to know the good shepherd that we've been reading about today. Maybe you've heard some things about the character of God. Maybe you yourself are experiencing some things and you know you need the assurance of his presence with you. If you want to make a decision today to be a part of the flock, we would love to welcome you. We'd love to invite you in. It's not an exclusive club. Everyone qualifies. Is there one maybe who'd like to make a decision today? If that's you, we want to invite you to come at this time. You want to get to know Jesus, the good shepherd, personally. Maybe you know others who know him, but you want to know for yourself. Come forward, and we'll have folks pray for you and celebrate you. If there's one, you can come at this time. Family, just be praying for your brothers and sisters. You've experienced the blessing of salvation. And if they have, then pray for your brothers and sisters to make a decision today. If that's you, come forward. (coughs) Maybe um, you're experiencing some deep hurt as a result of what's been happening. Maybe this has really rocked you to the core. And you're confused. And you're struggling. Huge split. Us and them. Maybe you're experiencing the confusion. The confusion. If that's you, I'd love to pray for you personally. That God would order your steps and lead you 
to wholeness and healing and strength in this season. There have been a lot of us that have had to weather some hard seasons. And maybe you're just feeling weary. I'd love to pray for you and believe God for your strength in this time. If that is you, won't you come forward? Maybe you feel um, something in your heart that's leading you to respond to the message today. Not just out of conviction, but out of a desire to be the sheep that God has called for you to be in his flock. If that's you, we'd just like to pray for you briefly, and then you can get on to the game. Just wanted to make sure you were paying attention. (laughs) If that's you, if you'd like to come, I'd be happy to pray for you and send you home. We'll wait for you if you're coming out of the balcony or out of the back. I see you, sister. God bless you. (laughs) Is there anyone who wants to join our sister? God bless you. You're not alone. You're not alone.